Today's episode is brought to you by Zola. To sign up with Zola and receive a $50 credit towards your registry, go to zola.com slash brain candy. Uh, it's another sunny day in California. It's a glorious day, and it's episode 192. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not feeling so blue okay, with episode we only 192. Have eight more of the rhymes. <laughs> we made a deal. I don't know if you know, but she's not allowed to do the rhyming. After 200. After episode But I'm going to milk every last eight of these. Right. Mm-hmm. We are going to have some fun, though. Yes. Oh. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know that much. That's what 191 other episodes have taught me. Yeah, yeah. This, oh, this will be true. fun. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing really well. You're wearing your Girls Support Girls t-shirt? I sure am. I am feeling fired up. Hyped up. And revved up post-OC Women's March. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed with the turnout. I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be the only one there. For and there real? were like thousands of people. Like Can I secretly wish it just was right? only you. Just me and my signs, my two signs. I'm glad that you're feeling good. Girls yeah. do support girls. That's right, we do. Unless they are garbage, I won't support that. No. Suze, how are you doing? Great. How's your body after the car accident, are you like all put back together or what? Yeah, but as you know, I got a yeah. tetanus shot. I know. And like, what's happening over there? She's like stepping on rusty needles or <laughs> rusty, rusty. Did call? you know that you're supposed to get that every 10 years? Yes, I did know that. Did like, you know that we got him when we were on the challenge? Yeah. Okay. Right, because we have to do a lot of those, like. Because I recently cut myself with a rusty tool, and I was like, "Oh crap!" And then I went and looked at my vaccination card, and I was like, "Okay, good." Why were you using a rusty tool? Well, because I didn't have a proper toolbox at one time, and the tool you that just I left it just it got rusty. I yeah, it. I got the tetanus yeah, shot. How'd you get it? Just because I was due, but I had a bad reaction. Yeah, that's when you know you're getting old. I think. Your when immune system like is routine. suppressed. And, yeah. yeah, like a routine thing like, turns into like. Uh-uh. You better look out for uh, for you know raw eggs because you're like the elderly <laughs> and young people who might have is salmonella. That, is that who it gets more? Well, it's anybody with a weakened immune system. So it's and pregnant women. Anytime oh, yeah. you see anything like that, it's people who have a weakened immune system, or uh, yeah, there you go. Well, I'm all right. Anyway, the more you know. Whatever. Um, I'm just glad you're okay. I've been reading a lot. Oh, good. Because last year, remember, I read 70 books. Oh, my gosh. So I decided this year is going to be 90. Whoa. So, taking it up a notch. Yeah. I feel like that number, like, you need, like, a, I don't know. Part of me is like, is that, it doesn't seem like a round enough number. It's round. Okay. <laughs> it's round like, it's enough, fine. Sarah. Like, 88. Oh, okay. No, I feel like good 92. about 90. Because okay. I decided it should be 70 and then 20 books that are um, about religion oh you know wow, to good to just like up yeah to yes 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 we love learning over here we sure do uh, people have been enjoying our merch we have all that oh my god i love it steminist merch and stop being polite got some great new designs getting ready to up show up in there um and later today we have a guest who is the let me read her proper title. Okay. We talked about her in another episode. Her name is Victoria Arbor. She's a postdoctoral fellow at the Department of Natural History oh, in Paleo... No, is it Paleo? Paleo. Like as in paleontologist? paleontologist? Yeah, yeah, 
Paleobiology Royal yes. Ontario Museum. <gasps> cool. She's the woman that I saw on Dino Hunt that time. Yes, that's yeah. right. And I I we interviewed her for this and realized quickly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, you would never know it was episode 192. <laughs> I realized how quickly that I mean, I don't know <gasps> anything about wow. dinosaurs. Yeah. And I didn't even really know what to ask. What did you? Well, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, we? but I mean, I really got, maybe I'll put that on my book list because. Yeah. It's I, interesting. And I think that that's, well, I mean, based on the little things I know, is something that we're making a lot of new discoveries about where we're going like, hey, we thought it was this way. But yeah. Remember our I mean, T-Rex thing? We're like, that guy's not that tough <laughs> after all. Right. Kind and she studies a type of dinosaur that I had never even heard of and I won't even try to pronounce it, but it's the kind whose tails are a weapon, like a club. Whoa. And they look like weapons. Yeah, and they've got like the little four or, you know, like the spikes on the end and they whip it around. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. I wish I knew that name off the top. Yeah, she's a really badass bitch, as you know, and so we'll talk to her at the end of the show. But for now, we can just talk about what we learned. I saw that you used um, the Google Arts and Culture selfie. I sure did. What did you think? Uh, I I feel like I they're missing some because I feel like <laughs> I've seen some art where I'm like, oh, that looks like me. <laughs> the the um, options are too limited. Yeah, and then I even tried to make really disgusting faces, and it still came back with the same people. So I was like, oh, well, did you think it was like a that. good match? Uh it was only in about the thirty percent range. So if you're not like familiar. Mid. Google Arts and Culture app has a feature where it allows you to take a selfie and it matches you up with a painting from, you know, over time. Mm-hmm. I got and- a lot of, um, oh, this is actually really interesting. I got, the majority of mine were Tahitian women. Tahitian? For, by different artists. Because of your nose? Maybe. I just look like I'm uh, according to these. Because you have a unique nose. Yeah, maybe. People often point yeah. out. Tahitian. I like Search that. your selfie. Let's let's just do it again. See what I well, get. Well, you saw mine. I look like Fraser Crane. That was so funny. I died when I saw that because I'm like, oh, maybe that is it. It's like Susie has the ASMR voice, so that's why I love her. And she <laughs> reminds me subtly of my favorite character from Cheers. But did you think it no, resembled? <laughs> not at all. Because I was like, I don't see it. Not at all. Come on. Mm-hmm. You let's guys see. should try it. Oh, Sarah's if doing it If I do it with... Her headphones. My headphones. You'll probably on. get like a headpiece in the uh, results. Oh yes, I look like a girl looking after plants. Let me see. Oh, she looks like you. Fifty-one percent match. Closest it's ever been. Okay. This was the missing thing. Oh my god, all these are like fifty percent matches. Oh lord, look at her. That does <laughs> that, that one. I'm not so proud of. Well, we'll have to put this uh, this link for all those who haven't tried it. Yeah. In the newsletter, what I was most excited about is that it is the idea that everybody's downloaded the Arts and Culture app and that you have to scroll through a little bit of, you know, six things you never knew about Claude Monet before you get to the selfie thing. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, you know, just fun to kind of expose people who maybe uh, think, oh, you know, all that like fine art stuff isn't for me, but really it is. It's Weirdly, you cannot, you don't have access to it if you live in Illinois or Texas. What? Oh, maybe something with face, fake, fake. Facial recognition software? Yeah. The biotechnics laws there are real strict. Whoa. And Google didn't want to, you know... What about iPhone facial recognition there? 
I wonder if that works. You know, on those iPhone right. 10s. I know that I, in the article that I read about it, it did say that certain products won't sell them in Whoa. Illinois or Texas. So do we don't. like that or don't like that? I think it's it brings up important questions yeah. about the intelligence gathering with regard to your DNA, your fingerprint, anything that's uniquely you, mm-hmm. because... You can always get a new social security card or even a new social security number if need be, but you can't get rid of your DNA mm-hmm. and, and it's a lot harder to make your face change. So I don't know. It's yeah. another example of like when I didn't know what questions to ask Victoria Arbor, PhD, right. um, I feel like that about this technology, like what don't I know? Right. It's that, that is, oh my God, you stole the words. It's like, I don't even know what I don't know. And that is something. Yeah, because I don't know what the goals are with all of these things mm-hmm. or when it, what they do then when we take these pictures, do they keep the info? I'm not a paranoid person, right. but I just don't know what's going on. Yeah. And when I saw that, I thought, uh-oh. I do know that Target is tracking me. Why? I read that about um, so how they do that. They the When I first started going to the Target by my house, I noticed that the I don't get internet connection there. And I always like to check to see if something is... Mine like, too. So uh, you're forced to connect to their Wi-Fi. When you connect to their Wi-Fi, you click accept and you accept something that tracks you through the store so that they can see where you spend a lot of time. They can track you down to, I mean, what you're looking at in the store. And with that information, they can know, okay, well, in Rancho Santa Margarita, there are the majority of people who are using our Wi-Fi are in the home section. So we're going to spend our money making the home section really nice and not going to worry about the you know, toy section because we don't have that many people shopping there. So you can adjust all these and and they can advertise different to you. They, you know, anytime it's, I mean, freaking A. Yeah. This used to be conspiracy theorist stuff and now it's just normal Right, Data the future collection. is now. It's totally now. It's right here. And they can tell when a woman is pregnant before yes. she's even told anybody Wait, because of wh- what she buys. What? Oh, because like she knows. She knows. But nobody else knows and, yeah. she, and peep things that she, oh my gosh, yeah. And weren't we talking about this in another episode, how they advertise differently based on, Amazon will advertise to you differently during different parts of your menstrual cycle because if it's right before you ovulate, you care more about your appearance. So they'll advertise to you with makeup and things like that on that Amazon. That is so crazy. It's totally real. Right. Yeah. You know what? I read that a lot of the people that work at, Google and places like that put that piece of tape over there yep. on the the little camera, camera on their computer. Yep. And their phone, everything. I see it a but lot. why? Because you can hack into that really easy and watch somebody. And there are a lot of people who have had that hacked into and then they'll do it. So like say they hack in and you have your computer open in your bedroom and you walk by without any clothes on, they get get that footage and they say, okay, if you don't want everybody to see this, we want you, they hold almost, they hold it hostage or they can hack into your stuff and then hold whatever they get so hostage not, for you to pay. Do you think that's what it is though? Or do you think they think big brother, meaning the government is looking at them? Because I thought that was maybe it was. Mix. Or they just know that no, is it anybody could get in. It's just that it's, a, it's not as secure. It's right. like a vulnerable point in your home with for whatever, however you want to define that. Right. Well, it's like a, leaving a door unlocked or locked. Right. I say go ahead. I don't care. Yeah. 
And I say the same about locking naked, my front door. I'll so. say you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> share with whoever you want. I don't care. I'll tell you what I do care about. What do you care about? Zola. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're getting married, you should. <laughs> Zola is an awesome wedding registry that, I mean, what is not to love about having... I have a couple friends getting married. I should tell them about this. What are you waiting for? Shout out to Brooke. <laughs> Brooke. Check out Zola. Go to Zola. And the great thing is that it's like a compilation of all your favorite brands. They have over 500 top brands, 50,000 gifts. But it's not just that. You can do like the group gifting feature, which lets multiple guests contribute to big ticket items. That's my favorite one. <laughs> that is a good one. Just because it means somebody's getting a big ticket item. <laughs> you wish you were. Yeah. They have a free suite of wedding planning tools uh, that includes free wedding websites. And you can add pictures to it, make it real personal. It's great for your guests. It's convenient. I mean, what do I have to say to get you people on board? They're basically reinventing the wedding registry, which needed reinventing. To sign up with Zola and receive 50 bucks credit towards your registry, go to Zola.com slash braincandy. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash braincandy to get that 50 bucks. I read a very interesting article that has nothing to do with technology. Great. Well, mostly. Okay. It's about... Um, the Bratz dolls. Oh, don't even get me started on those little sluts. What? <laughs> they look like baby prostitutes. And I'm all for rights of sex workers. And But <laughs> for goodness sakes, those dolls look like hussies. What? What? <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like, I want to encourage you to keep talking. Yeah. So I want to ask the right thing. But No, well, share your article for goodness sakes. Okay, well, in the New Yorker, it was... A really fascinating piece about the origin of Bratz and then the feud that it caused with Mattel, who makes Barbie. Uh And then, so it unpacks a lot of copyright issues, but in the midst of that, it brilliantly positions that story to parallel, weirdly, the Me Too Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. sex issues. In a way that makes total sense. So part of what's compelling is the person that created Bratz worked at Mattel in the Barbie department. So obviously Mm -hmm. there was some influence there. Came up with the idea while working at Mattel and um, then took it to their rival, MGA. And MGA bought it. He quit at Mattel. And um, so then Mattel sued them for... You know, mm-hmm. that's our property. He was working at Mattel when he came up with the idea. It should be ours. Mm-hmm. And it there were many um, lawsuits. Like, it kept getting appealed Jeez. and things like that. And there's tons of money at stake. And so. it was a he who made him? hmm And the weird thing is that the judge on the case, he um, made a comment to the journalist that said, um, the journalist had said, my mom wouldn't let, let me play with Barbie because they give girls a bad body image. Mm -hmm. And the judge said, the only thing wrong with Barbie is that when you lift up her skirt, you can't see anything. (gasps) Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sick. And then this very same judge who is making a ruling about what is copying, right? What is Uh sort of like repeating something versus being inspired by something. Yeah. 
was brought down by the Me Too movement, people accusing mm. him of being inappropriate, which is essentially women copying each other and coming forward. Okay. And it's this brilliant full circle, circle. Yeah, and of course the fact that the context is these dolls that many people think do promote poor body image or you know unfair mm-hmm. expectations mm-hmm. of girls all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like blown away by this piece. I love that. It kept coming through my Twitter and I thought the New, New yeah. Yorker yeah. really wants yeah. me to read yeah. this piece and yeah. so I'm glad I did cuz I find all of those things really interesting. And like the the other sort of subtext of the Bratz dolls is that they're many of them are racially ambiguous mm-hmm. and they have racially ambiguous names. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the sort of the milestones of Bratz, like one toy of the year mm-hmm. this year. And then the author would say, and this was the same year that Kanye West's gold digger was whatever noted the influence of hip-hop culture and the mm-hmm. dress and all of the clothes i don't know it's just really who would have thought an article about dolls right could bring I up totally all these yeah. cultural issues that are so important what do you think about those dolls i get it mm-hmm. i was a consumer of barbie i loved barbie growing up um but i get the misgivings yeah i'm like conflicted about those just, I love imaginative play. You know, and I, I think it's interesting that the term brats is the name for it, or that they chose the word brats as the name for it. I That was a word I was not allowed to use when I was a little kid. And my mom had a very specific definition of what a brat was. And they were often the kind of, she would call, oh, that girl's a brat over there. Maybe it was how me and a privilege of like a middle-class white family viewed that doll and it was like it was more like a white trash kind of thing oh interesting where it was like oh yeah the same kind of person who i like i would not buy that doll for you because i also you know wouldn't let you hang out with girls who were brats Mm -hmm. and girls who were like that and Mm -hmm. girls who you know thought those things were important or wore tons of makeup or whatever, you know? And so then, but then I look at, you know, I I hate to be like this, but like a show like Teen Mom where some of them look like the Bratz dolls. And I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean? Of course they're buying those for their dolls or for their daughters, you know? Like the way they dress, you mean? Yeah, like with just like, I'm more of a fan. I, I don't wear a lot of makeup to begin with. And I, you know, those... But if you were somebody who really loved that and were really into that, then maybe those dolls would be seem le- they would be more accessible to you. They would seem more like dolls that were a reflection of I don't know who you were. But I don't see. I'm more of like oh, give them Raggedy Andy because that is like kind of I don't know more like my style. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, I don't know. Maybe the- it's just like how I the dolls I grew up around and the dolls I grew up with, but. It was kind of like, a, oh, no, don't buy those dolls. The good thing about Barbie, though, is that it's come a long way. Right. And there's been a lot of changes made and a lot of efforts to make different size Barbies available, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. color Barbies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. Yeah, and they, like, normalized it. And I have, I, there was somebody that I followed on Instagram a while back. And what she would do is get old dolls and clean their faces. Oh, yeah. I and I that. loved it. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the dolls are, look so, they look like little girls. 
And I think it's important to give little girls dolls that look like little girls, not like grown women, because we're already seeing 12-year-olds who look like 21-year-olds. I think we need to hold on to that kid age for a little bit longer. Yeah. As somebody who feels like they were rushed through it. I'm going to put that article in the newsletter, Mm -hmm. com is where you can sign up for the newsletter. But people should also watch that video of the woman, the artist who takes the makeup off the dolls and makes them like cute clothes that aren't, mm-hmm. you know, suggestive. And they, they talk to the girls about what it's like playing with those dolls. Mm-hmm. And there's a different attitude towards those dolls. It's like that doll, like they don't have to change who they are to play with that doll. Yeah. But you do have to change a little bit about who you are, you know, or it's a different side of you that you're, I don't know, playing towards with the... I'll tell you what gives me a different side. Uh, I, what you're going to talk about, <laughs> I did this morning. Beach body. That's right. On demand. Uh-huh. I mean, tell me about what you did. I did the, so I love the 21 day yoga flow or yoga fix or something yes. like that. And the one I really love is they have a, one called a quick flow or an energizing flow or something like that. And it's a 20 minute yoga session that's really a perfect thing to get you jamming in the morning, mm-hmm. like get your body moving, get your blood pumping. It so, sounds so silly, but I wake my dog up every morning and my dog has a natural body movement that he does to like start his day. I'm like, why don't we do this as people? Mm-hmm. Why do I just roll out of bed and like pound a cup of coffee and then just get in the car and drive to work like a zombie? No, you got to like move your body, get into the flow do some beach body stuff and get your day started right. It's such a convenient way to work out. I'm not a gym person. Yeah. I'm not like a go for a run kind of gal, as you guys know. But this is on my phone, on my computer, iPad, whatever you use. And you can just do it wherever you are. They have that three-week yoga retreat. They have the 21-day fix, P90X. It's like every level and whatever your needs are. I'm super into yoga since the new year started. Um and it's, yeah, for any fitness level. So I just feel like people should try it. And you can get free trial membership when you text Brain Candy, all one word, no spaces, to 303030. You get full access to the entire platform for free, all the workouts and nutrition information. Just text Brain Candy to 303030, all one word, no spaces on that Brain Candy. Just give it a try. It's, I mean, at least try it. I feel like if it's right for you, you will not be sorry. Um, all right. So that was my, that was really hitting me that brats thing. And I just feel like it's so fascinating to me. And that's why I always end up bringing like a, the history of the index card because these stupid items in our life that seem innocuous and unimportant often reflect these huge cultural ideas Um, gender, Mm -hmm. race, class, all the things that make life a beautiful mess, as I say, are reflected in something as simple as a doll and some who created the doll, who owns the doll, who owns an idea. Right. And um, so anyway, food for thought. I thought that about, um, this is going to sound like a random aside, but remember when Paris Hilton was trying to get That's Hot Yes. Trademarked. Yeah. And that, in that whole story, yeah, yeah. era, I learned a lot about trademarks and 
what proprietary yeah, rights and like I think it also was the same time Johnny Bananos is trying to sue what was that show? Oh my god. For using Entourage. Entourage. And he lost the job. They had a character named Johnny Bananas. Johnny they had a character with a show named Johnny's Bananas. Okay. And the I guess because it was like an apostrophe S or whatever. I mean, did you ever talk to him about that? Yeah, and he was like all pissy, and of course he had like a oh well, you know it was my lawyer, and like the time for you know the the statute of limitations was up, and so I wasn't able to like file because, and then it was. But you know. he was genuinely oh, he hundred percent. They went they, he went through with it. I knew he that he paid did money, it, but I thought to a lawyer to do this, and then didn't win. But I thought that it was you know he just thought he could make a settlement and get some cash. Yeah. I didn't think he genuinely in his heart. I think he genuinely in his heart was like <laughs> what the hell in his cold says dead heart. somebody who which is kind of. The irony since he stole so many of our lovely logos after we uh right you know we're fine with it though he can yeah. take whatever take them take them you, you know? hear that yeah take steal our designs and then get the original here <laughs> so wow yeah i have All an right. interesting one to, to talk to you about have you heard about cape town running out of water Mm-mm. okay so apparently on, i love cape town yeah oh yeah that was where you had your favorite challenge ever mm-hmm. right yeah. Um, I only went to the airport, so I didn't get to explore all of Cape Town. But uh, according to officials, they're 90 days away from being without water. Why? They're 90 Just days. Just a drought or what 95 days. Well, I guess 90, probably about 90 now. Um, so the city has ordered 3.7 million residents to cut down their water consumption, but all of their reservoirs are running out. Everything's run dry, and even with the, the you know, cutting out of um, – you know, their water consumption and the, the lowering of their water consumption, they're still saying that by April 20th, they might be, that's like day zero, according to them, where they might have to just shut the taps off. Oh my like, God. Like what the heck does a town do? Well, do they have any th- nope, ideas? Nope. It pretty much just says- Hope it rains? It says, Cape Town's mayor, Patricia DeLille, tweeted, I cannot stress this enough. All residents must save water and use less than 19 gallons per day. We must avoid day zero and saving water is the only way we can do this. The city's mayor also has impended a drought charge in order to fund new water projects. But that's it. It says that it's like poor city management and a growing urban population and climate change has made it so it's like day zero. And that's pretty much like the end of the freaking article. And Mm -hmm. I kept reading and, and, you know, you click on the blue underlined text and you're like, oh, maybe this will take me to the source of, you know, what's going to be the solution to this. I couldn't find anything. Mm. So that's one to keep. Uh, I mean, I saw an article that on. said the world is running out of sand. What? How is that even a thing? We're running low. What? Who's you? Who's it? <laughs> Where are all these sandboxes? Right. And the funny thing is, I read the whole article, but yet I'm still like, but where'd it go? Right. Um, okay. But they're for different things. They're ha- even for beaches. They're having to. Bring it in, and it's too expensive. And Okay, so Landon and I live in a neighborhood where there are a bunch of hiking trails, mm-hmm. and there was there were some floods and or some heavy rains, and some of the trails got washed away, and it looked like the beach. There was sand everywhere, and we kept on going, like, where do you think the sand, like, could this, is this sand that was from here? Is this sand that was bust in? And I think that when they developed the, like my theory is, when they developed the community, they built things like used sand to just kind of fill in areas yeah well and it's like 
literally houses built upon the sand. Oh my god, does the because Bible assume, parable mean right? nothing? I was like, what the heck? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, so rain comes and then like sand washes everything away, and then what? We're like, and then what do they do? I it's feel just like a sandy it, beach here. I feel like this could all be solved if everyone that lived near the beach just dumped out our trunks. Because that's where I feel like it all is. <laughs> oh I'm constantly. Gosh. We've been to the beach, you know, not yeah. frequently, but the sand is still in my car. I'm like, I've got it, you guys. I can save this. Susie whole thing. will just empty out or like all the vacuums at <laughs> all of the car washes in all of Huntington Beach. We'll just dump it all back on there. It'll they be just fine. Should have asked us. It'll be like pick out the lint and the McDonald's French fries. It is a weird problem though because you think about like. Fi- these resources are finite, right? But we don't think of them that way. That's you know? why everything is really. We were having this discussion yesterday in, at a book club I go to. A, we were talking about The Handmaid's Tale and how handmaids. I always say that wrong. Um, and how everything's a battle of resources and what's going to happen when we run out of them. And the last ones we think of are sand. You know, right. you're like, oh yeah, p- we want like, to conquer this. The if somebody was like, we're pl- running low on air. Right. Right. Well, well, I don't know what to tell right. you. Uh, I don't know. Just crash some waves against some rocks. Make some sand. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it it seems like a thing where you're going to also have trouble raising awareness. Right, right. <laughs> you're like, you know, we don't really care. But well, I think it's like a big problem. the animals who go extinct. How the ones that go, their animals going extinct all the time and nobody cared. And then as soon as the Twinkie was on its way out, people were like, no! <laughs> It's just where we the, draw the line. Yes, don't let the Twinkie become extinct. Did, speaking of junk food, did you see the thing about how? Why I can't wait. I just I would just want how whatever. all Skittles <gasps> taste the same. They are identical. It's just my mind playing tricks on me because wow. of the colors. Kind okay, of. N- lies. Lemon is lemon. We need to buy a bag of Skittles and do the test. <laughs> well, people in the Brain Candy Crush have been doing it. They'll like plug, hold their nose, and they'll yeah. do like hold their ears, whatever, to like see if they can figure it well, out. What we have to do is I have to blindfold you, or you have to blindfold me. Well, we here's have to buy the full... a bag, and then I have to give you one, and then you have to guess the flavor. The I full guarantee you're gonna story, get it. though, is that the color obviously varies, mm-hmm. and the scent they make it smell different. They make each one smell different. Yeah, but the inside oh my is God. identical. I believe that. Because they figured out that it's cheaper to, to change the smell than it is to change the taste for each one. Right. So. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Are you a Skittle lover? I used to be a blue Skittle lover. Blue Tropical Skittles, that was my jam. I used to eat that every single lunch break. So maybe if you high. held your nose, you wouldn't even be I able to know. taste the... Well, I'm going to have to try this. For sure. Yeah, we should. Um, have. I probably have some downstairs, actually. You actually you probably do have. I know you have Skittles. Sure, uh, it's January, but right, whatever. The shelf life on those is pretty long. <laughs> Next Halloween, you'll you still give them out. It'll be fine. Uh, that reminds me of uh, a video I was watching on somebody who invented a cup that smells so when you drink water, it tastes like soda. Okay. So they have they used. This exact same concept, how if we can smell something, it'll change how we taste it. Sure. So they, you can almost, I think you can change, I have to find this video. I think you can change the top too. It's almost like the 
the lid, the lip of the lid is lined with something and you can swap it out for like different flavors. And if you drink a regular glass of water, it, or maybe it's, it has to be carbonated water, but if you, whatever you're drinking, they have a top that could make you think that you're drinking orange juice or make you think you're drinking a soda. I mean, that's some Willy Wonka nonsense. It's genius. I think it's great. Could you imagine? There's no way it's made of like all natural stuff, Sarah. There's, it's that's a, like, it's an olfactory thing. It's, if it were just your senses and, and maybe, okay, so let's say that you don't oh, want to just it. smell it. It's just smell. It's not a taste thing. It's well, the same it's as chemicals though. Yeah. But so are Skittles. What are they using? I know. <laughs> I'm just saying that like, you should just drink your fucking water. Well, if you have a, tr- say you have a, uh, sorry, Linda, right. So <laughs> say you have somebody or like. Oh, maybe schools, for example. And, you know, they're like, kids need to drink more water. That's a real important thing. So instead, we're going to make all the drinking fountains have a little smell thing so it tastes like cotton candy when they drink the water. This is a terrible idea. I think it's a great idea. Do you think more kids will want cotton candy? Yeah, because kids that are fine with regular water Um, then will learn to love freaking cotton candy smell water. (laughs) It's important to drink water. So, like, stay hydrated out there, folks. (laughs) I mean that's an interesting concept. Yeah, but I, need I don't to find know. that video. Uh, yeah. That's questionable. That's, what is definitely not questionable is yeah. how much I love Brooklyn and Sheets. Oh, hey, still sleeping on them. So they are the softest, the most high quality sheets I've ever had in my whole life. And I'm I like to think of myself as a bedding connoisseur, and these take the cake. Um, they are super soft. They get softer the more I wash them. Yeah, too. they do. Which is even, and the color doesn't fade, which is really the nice, really nice luxury sheets. But the beauty of it is they're not going to break the bank, and they actually just won winner of best online bedding Hello. by Good Housekeeping too. But it's underpriced. You have to try these sheets. I love them. Try the sheets. I know you'll love them too. Brooklyn.com has an exclusive offer for our listeners. You get twenty bucks off and free shipping when you use promo code Brain Candy at Brooklyn.com. In fact, Brooklyn is so confident you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all the sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give them a try. The only way to get 20 bucks off, though, and free shipping is to use promo code BRAINCANDY at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code BRAINCANDY. Brooklyn, and these are the best sheets ever. So use them. Such great colors, too. Yeah. Um... All right, so why don't we welcome our guest on, Victoria Arbor, Yay. who is a brain eac. I mean, she uh-huh. is a legit brainiac. Smart girl. And I am so excited about her because she makes of what I assume is a highly technical, complicated subject, very accessible, and she doesn't think any of my questions are stupid, even though <laughs> I guarantee you all of them are. I'm like, what do you they're dead you know like (laughs) and she really can help provide a context for what they're looking at and even how she deals with folks that are creationists Mm. or you know intelligent design oh my gosh about that yes i can't wait because that would be i mean even in my field of religious studies it can be real Uh tricky thing dealing with everybody's unique perspectives right and in her case, it's the same, and she is, it handles it so well. So, please welcome to the show our new friend and dino hunter, 
Mm. Victoria Arbor. First of all, hi. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I love how um, you're so low maintenance. Like I didn't have to, you, you didn't even say like, what are we going to talk about? Oh. <laughs> you're I very casual. Have, but like, <laughs> No, I love it because then we can just have a fun conversation. But most people I would imagine would be like all stressed. Like, what are we going to talk about? Well, luckily I get asked to, because it's dinosaurs, so this isn't my first podcast, so that kind of helps a little bit, I think. And yeah. I, I, I don't know, your podcast sounds cool, so it seems, but I don't know, it seemed easy. Well, yeah, now you're in too <laughs> deep. What if it's terrible? But Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think it <laughs> Here's why I love you. Um, as I tweeted to you, I discovered you when my family was having like a lazy lion and we were watching <laughs> dino hunt and i was so enamored with you in the way that you uh present the information in a way that normal people can understand <laughs> it that's a real gift that you have well thank you and so i wanted to talk to you also because our podcast has uh, we celebrate badass bitches which we're going <laughs> to include you in that category <laughs> And is it true or false that your field is, is it male dominated or is that just something I thought? No, it's, it's, it kind of depends on how you slice it in many ways. So when I was going through grad school and you spend a long time like doing your master's or your PhD, it was relatively even. Um, there were lots of other women around me. What I find is that as I've sort of moved up, so now I'm a postdoctoral fellow, so I'm kind of like doing these sort of short-term contracts and hopefully yeah. will land like a faculty position eventually. Uh. Um, it becomes, there's, it's just harder. There's just not quite as many women. There's not quite as many women who are like full faculty members. Yeah. Um, it's not like there are zero, but it's definitely not like equal. Um, and I work on dinosaurs and dinosaurs in particular still seem to have a lot of men in the, in, in the field. Um, at like the professor level. Uh, but I am told that like certain other subdisciplines, like if you study mammal fossils or fish <laughs> fossils, so we always are like mammal people or like <laughs> fish people or whatever, but I'm like, I should, probably shouldn't just say that. Right. Like, but, but so like, if it's sort of like, if you, if you are working more on some of those other things, people have said that it's a little bit better, but I'm not really sure that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I it's, guess it's academia in general that what you're describing is common where in grad school, it's pretty even. And then over yeah. time, the ladies like do other stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's tough for everybody. Yeah. Um, getting, getting a, a professorship or a faculty position is just hard, like no matter what. And I mean, and it's hard for everyone. And then if you're in any kind of group that has any extra little barriers, so like if you're a woman or if you're not white or anything like that, yeah. it just gets even harder. So it's I don't want to like say it's easy for men or anything, but it's because well, it's hard for everybody. But yeah. it does seem like it kind of trickles off a little bit over time, unfortunately. Yeah, girl, so, why, yeah. after I got my doctorate, I'm like, yeah, I'll be going to L.A. and doing not that. Because what you're <laughs> having to do where it's like postdoc and then who knows and that's very stressful. It's fun. I really like it still. And the way that I look at it is I'm going to keep doing it as long as I'm having fun. And the day that I wake up and I'm just like, this isn't fun anymore, but I like deep inside, then that's <laughs> when you, you hang up your hat. I guess, Tell me whatever. what's fun about it. 
Um, what I really like about this job in particular, or this field, is that I get to do so many different things on any given day um, and at different times of the year. So there's a lot of variety, and I get to use, like your analytical side of your brain, the creative side of your brain, like you get to use a lot of imagination, but also get to sort of control your imagination in that kind of rigorous way that we, we learn as scientists. Um, and yeah, like no, no days are exactly the same, which I really like because it's hard to get bored in this field. Right. That helps. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so how much of your professional life is spent inside uh, more than what people might think. Yeah. So in a given year, I might spend um, usually more, th- at least like two weeks. That would be like a really light year where I'm like in the field. But a lot of the time it's more in the sort of four to eight week range. And mm. one summer I was out for almost like four months doing field work in different places. And I'd come back for like a weekend and then go to a new place. That was like my first year of grad school. Right. Um, but what what we often do is we go out for sort of like four to five weeks at a stretch, um, just because usually where we need to go is far away from where we live. And so <laughs> if you're going to go all that distance, you like set up a little camp and you you like live there for a while. Uh, but when you're doing that, it's outside like all the time. So like right. all day. Do you um, enjoy that part of it or do you prefer the day to day normal stuff? I like both parts of it, but some of the field work had to grow on me a little bit. So it's very different from, um, like, I didn't grow up, like, we weren't really a camping family. We had a cottage, so I spent lots of time outside. I played outside. But it's a little bit different to work and live outside all day. And so I actually found that a little bit hard to get used to at first. Um, I liked looking for fossils, but you have to get used to not really having a lot of privacy or, like, alone time, which I like Uh, to have sometimes. Right. Um, You have to get used to being just, like, so dirty. Like, (laughs) so dirty. (laughs) like all the time um and if you like it and i don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to have a shower every day or liking (laughs) air conditioning or any of those things but what i like about it is like going out and doing those things that like keeps you very honest like you can't get like too high and mighty on yourself when you're like i've washed my hair in four weeks (laughs) that's what made me laugh when i was watching you on tv is that you were very open about like like you were climbing this hill and you were being hilarious about it and i just thought that's my kind of gal because it's not all like everything here. It's magical and mythical. It's like, okay, we're going to freaking dig and hopefully find some stuff and you get dirty. And yep. I like that. I, I like it. I mean, it's really fun, but it's also like really goofy sometimes. Right. Cause like sometimes you just like fall down a hill and <laughs> like, it's just like, you're just like, do to do. And you just like fall over. And that's like your professional day is spent, like putting right. your hand on a cactus. It's or, a very <laughs> like, weird or, job. Like, shoveling or, um, but like most of the time it goes very, very well. Um, Ooh. and, and it's really fun and it's very like, it's kind of nice because you get to, especially nowadays where we have phones and laptops and little notifications to just sit yeah. and be able to just focus on like, one thing for a whole day is feels really good saying i didn't think about that yeah Yeah. because when you're when you're sitting there and you're like you're just like digging a hole you're like slowly uncovering a bone um a lot of the time is actually spent clearing areas around the bone so it's like you sort of uncover the bone but then you have to dig down around it and all like sort of turn it into those these little like mushroom pedestals and that actually takes 
way longer than just like uncovering the bone this on the surface. This feels like a metaphor for life or something. <laughs> that sounds super deep. I like that. <laughs> So it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's sort of soothing. And, yeah. um, you know, when you're out there, you're like it, when we're out in the quarries, like we sit there, we put music on our phone, you like jam out to like Backstreet Boys, like 90s <laughs> stuff. Cause that's like my era. Right. And so you like, we sit there and listen to like Pony with Genuine or whatever. Yeah, and everyone's like laughing. We support that. <laughs> And right. you're just sitting there being like so hot, like you can feel like your DNA like denaturing. <laughs> and you sit there with your friends and you dig a hole in the ground all day. Right. And that's your day. And so it's hard to take it like way too seriously in some ways. I know many people are like, oh, you're like uncovering the the millions of years and it's the first yeah, time no anyone's pressure. seen this fossil and I'm I'm just sitting there like I'm so hot. Like <laughs> <just> like... <laughs> But it's great, right. right? And it's fun and it's it's like that's just what you get to do and you get these great experiences and yeah. Like how many people get to do that kind of thing? And Not have those, many. It's wild. Yeah. It's pretty rad. And I imagine people are constantly pestering you for information because most of us do boring things. And so well, you are like this freaking novelty act that walks in. <laughs> well, I think one thing that might not be apparent though, is that like, I really enjoy that work, but it is also sometimes incredibly boring. I mean, it seems very exciting and very glamorous. I just went and rewatched Jurassic Park a few weeks ago. You know, it looks very glamorous and cool, right, in the movies. But, I mean, sometimes you are just digging in a a part of the rock and there are no fossils there, but you had to dig there to figure that out. Um, Sometimes you're hiking around and you really want to find something cool and you just don't. And so you have to be kind of comfortable with disappointment in some ways and you have to be able to like find enjoyment um not just in finding the fossils but in sort of like the whole experience you're having right the process yeah yeah right and then sometimes it's very boring like I also do a lot of office work like I mean a lot of the winter I spend writing and so it's really probably not that different from many other people's jobs I write report like I write reports I write about my science I write and ask people for money for grants. Right. Um, and that I think a lot of people have in common with this particular job. I mean, maybe not exactly the same kind of writing, but I think yeah. a lot of us do similar work that way in the wintertime, at least. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I was reading about how you in particular look at something I had never heard of, <laughs> which are, are they called armored dinosaurs? Yeah, armored okay. dinosaurs. How is exactly. that? <laughs> so you probably do know at least some of them. So I, so the famous one is Ankylosaurus. I don't, um, I don't even know so, that one. So they're like, they're like the ugliest dinosaurs Basically, they're like the worst dinosaurs, but I like them. And so they're kind of like <laughs> fat and flat 
and they're covered in this bony armor. So they have these spikes in their skin. So kind of like an armadillo has a shell made of like little bones. Yeah. Like, you've probably seen armadillos, I'm yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> right, I'm with and, you so far. <laughs> so it's kind of like an armadillo, but the the instead of like little flat bones, there'll be like spikes or knobs or whatever. And then their tail is, they've evolved, some of them evolved this weaponized tail. I can't that we call even. A tail club. I can't. So they've got this weird stiff sledgehammer tail with a big blob of bone at the end. And I just think it's really weird, and so I like studying the weird parts of dinosaurs, and so I've done a lot of work on those. Were they more unusual, or they all exist at the same rate of um, so all dinosaurs are weird. It's a, no, no, no. So well, I think they're very weird, uh, but all dinosaurs, like all animals are weird. All dinosaurs are weird in some way. Yeah. Um, so ankylosaurs, like having this armor is kind of unique. The only other group that really does that are the stegosaurs, which are kind of like their cousins. Um, they do, they have these weird smushed in faces, um, they have these really weird, like stiff backs and giant bellies. So they're, they're very weird for like, uh, compared to a lot of other plant eating dinosaurs. Are they so rare? They're relatively rare in many places. So the, the good places to look for them are places like Alberta and Montana. Uh, but there, even though we do find some good specimens, they're only like 5% of the dinosaur fossils that we find. So they're not super common. But if you go over to places like Mongolia and the Gobi Desert, they are much more common and we often get whole skeletons. Whoa. And so it kind of depends on where you go. Um and then for the ones that I really like, the, the ones with that have tail clubs, they we don't even have any fossils of them from places like Africa, for example. So there's still lots of places where we don't know a lot about the dinosaurs. Uh, it might be that maybe these dinosaurs weren't over there. Maybe we just haven't found enough fossils of anything if they were rare. So right. it, it really varies depending on where we go in the world. Is that sort of the fun of it, too, is that there's so much still to be learned about all of it. Yeah, I think that's definitely, I mean, I'm sure that's true for like most sciences because no one has everything figured out yet. But it's one thing that's really nice is that there's still lots, I feel like there's still a lot for people in our generation to contribute. It's like not all of the big questions have been answered. In fact, some of the debates that we're having right now are over like fundamental like arrangements of the dinosaur family tree. So we usually Ooh, divide up fun. dinosaurs into just like three big groups. Um, and we thought we had it figured out, and now we're not sure anymore. <laughs> what like, do you think? How do you, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there. I think it's really hard to figure it out sometimes because the further back in time you go, the further back in a family tree you go, the more everything looks like each other. Because they haven't evolved all their specializations that you see in, like, later members of those families. So an early armored dinosaur might not really have much armor or any if, if you trace it all the way back to the beginning of dinosaurs. Um, right. So it's not going to look very much like what I'm describing right now. And it's probably going to look a lot like the earliest meat-eating dinosaurs and the earliest long-necked dinosaurs. And they're they're all going to look really similar to each other. So it gets really hard to figure those things out. Um, but it's really, really fun. And so I guess that's the thing is, like, there's still, like, tons of debates and questions and we get to argue a lot with each other, which is always exciting. And... <laughs> Does it <laughs> so annoy fun. you that your field has such... Um, a fascination amongst kids or is that something you enjoy about it? 
I like it. I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. So obviously I love that anyone is excited about the work that we do. And kids are so funny sometimes. I mean, they like kids will come up to me. Like I gave a talk at the Royal Ontario Museum today where I'm based on our new dinosaur. Uh, we named an ankylosaur Zool after the Ghostbusters monster <laughs> earlier this year. Yeah. So I was giving a talk about that. And kids just come up and just like tell me what they know about dinosaurs. Like they don't even really have questions. They're just like, <laughs> let me tell you about dinosaurs. I'm I'm overstimulated and excited. And I think that's awesome. I mean, it's That would cool. drive me bonkers. No, it's no, but I I like kids. So I, I think it's fun. That's so I mean, nice. They're often very cute, but they're often very smart. They they really care about this. Right. And I just wish we could like I wish you could like bottle that enthusiasm and like caring about something and just like distribute it to everyone because yeah, I think we'd all be a lot happier. It, it kind of feels like the almost like how all young kids play soccer. Right. And then it goes away and you're like, what happened? Why don't you play soccer anymore? What what's the deal with the dinosaur fascination and then it like fizzles? I don't I don't know. I mean I think um the the sort of the the flip side of that is that occasionally I will go out and people will sort of associate dinosaurs with kids and so it I get a sense sometimes that people might not take the questions that we're asking seriously. Oh, that's interesting. And we have, like, dinosaurs have a lot to contribute to uh, our understanding of evolution. They're really good exemplars of looking at extinction and looking at climate change and looking at how ecosystems respond to changing environments, um, things like rising sea levels, cooling or warming earths. So even though the animals that are alive today are very different, we can look in the past and see like patterns and look at like what happens when that is so cool. the earth gets really hot or really cold or the sea level rises a lot or falls a lot. Um, and it's just bad news bears, right? It depends. I mean, I guess there's there's cycles, right? So lots of things go extinct when things change really fast, but that sometimes opens up new spaces for things like mammals to evolve. So mm. it's it's not necessarily good or bad from like a philosophical point of view. From our point of view, we probably don't want to change the environment too fast because lots of things we need will go extinct. <laughs> so right. it's, it's natural, but it's also like we don't necessarily want to like make that any worse than it already is. So there's lots of things that we can learn from dinosaurs. It's They're also just cool. I think there's value in learning about life on Earth and weird adaptations animals have. You never know what exactly might be useful in some applied way 50 or 100 years from now. So I think it's good to just study lots of different things. Yeah. Um, and so I think, so we, we're sort of one of these like basic or natural sciences. So I'm not curing cancer. I'm not like solving the energy crisis. That's not the kind of work I do. But that doesn't mean that there won't be ways to apply what we learn to bigger or different questions later on. Um, but I think sometimes for, for some people, it can look like frivolous to want to know like mm. how many ankylosaurs there are, right? Like that's a very specific question to want to answer. Um, right. So I think it just depends. So I love that kids are excited about dinosaurs. Obviously that's great. Um, I also think a lot of adults are secretly still just big kids that like dinosaurs because I go out and do events and, and you know, the adults will kind of like sheepishly come up and I'll like be like, do you want to touch this dinosaur fossil? And they're like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, <laughs> so I think a lot of people like it's in there still. Right. But it's yes. like under that like coolness that comes with being an adult. So. <laughs> 
Do you feel, what do you feel like is the future of your field? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, it's really hard to predict because things are changing so fast sometimes. Right. So we're, we're applying new technologies to studying fossils. So it's not just, we do a lot of like, just look at the fossil and learn anatomy. But, you know, in the last like 10 to 20 years, we've been able to use new technology, like using CT scanners to look inside the fossils and doing all kinds of cool digital modeling so we can know what their brains look like or what happens when you smash a tail club into like another dinosaur like does the tail break oh how, God, that's cool how are animals like chewing things or how hard could a t-rex bite something and we're even doing research into like can we tell what colors dinosaurs were can we tell like do ancient proteins ever actually survive for like 75 100 million years and so we're not at the stage where we could like get dinosaur dna but like 20 years ago, I don't think anyone would have been like, yeah, you can get dinosaur proteins or right. maybe like fossil color. So there's all these really interesting things that it would have been hard to imagine just a short time ago. I mean, it was only like a decade or two ago that people really started to accept that birds are the direct descendants of dinosaurs and that yeah, a freaky. lot of dinosaurs were feathered. Um, so things are just changing so fast. It's, so it's an exciting time to be in this field, but it also makes it really hard to imagine like what the next big things are, or what the future will be. Yeah. Um, because it could go any direction. It could go any direction. And one of the really fun things is like a lot of people joke about calling like people in my age group, like the Jurassic Park generation, because there's been an explosion of like, oh. there's been a huge growth in paleontology, uh, basically from kids growing up with Jurassic Park and going to university, wanting to become paleontologists and oh having God. the ability to do that, that our field has really expanded. And so were you were, inspired by that film as it, so you personally? I, I don't know if I was inspired by it, but I was definitely like a huge fan because I just liked dinosaurs. <laughs> like, so I was about nine when Jurassic Park came out. Um, and so I already really liked dinosaurs, but it definitely like solidified a love of dinosaurs. <laughs> well, um, for my co-host, it solidified a love for Jeff Goldblum. Oh, well that too. That's also <laughs> she was acceptable. into that. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. That's, that's funny. Um, <laughs> and so one of the cool things is that now instead of just having like a handful of people in like North America, there's, hundreds of us all over the world. And so there's just more brains answering, like to think That's of new cool. questions yeah. and to like tackle big problems. Well, but so um, are there more students that want to take the classes then? Cause otherwise I would think there would be too many people in the field and not enough jobs. Well, that might also be true. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem, but it's, um, so I would say, so one thing that's kind of interesting is that there aren't necessarily a lot of classes you can take in paleontology. So for a lot of people, we take classes in biology or yeah. geology or both. So my undergraduate degree was like half biology, half geology. Yeah. And then you really start to specialize more as a grad student. So getting a master's or a PhD and you, you start doing your own independent right. research. Well, um, so there are dinosaur teach... classes out there, but. 
Right now, I don't teach um, because I'm on sort of a research fellowship and I'm based out of a museum. So I do a lot of like informal teaching. So I will like go out and and talk to kids. I like both of them. uh, But I've also been I've I've been involved in some really interesting teaching experiences. So when I was at the University of Alberta, when Dino Canada was filming, basically, we were also developing a massive open online course um, or a MOOC that's like the fancy link go for them yeah. uh all about dinosaurs and it's still running so if anyone's listening and they want to take it it's called dino 101 and it's on a website called coursera and so basically it's this cool course that is all about dinosaurs that's like free and hosted by the university of alberta that's awesome. that anyone can take um and so so that was a really interesting experience too in sort of teaching but to people that i might never meet or see yeah um <laughs> And that will keep going even after I've, like, left, like, moved on from that particular university and stuff. So it's kind of weird but cool. Um, wow, so, that is yeah. cool. And I think a lot of our listeners will want to check that out, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Do you uh, – my husband made me write down this question, <laughs> which is, what is your most exciting discovery or find or moment professionally? He's, like, by the way, totally obsessed with you. And he wants to like hang out and be a best friend. So you're well, like everybody loves you. That's all. Well, if you if you find yourself in Toronto in the next few months, <laughs> we'll hunt um, you down. Yes, <laughs> but maybe don't come right now because it's cold and horrible outside. Right. Um, but uh, my favorite thing is it's really tough because okay, so I haven't like discovered a whole skeleton yet. So that's like a thing I'd like to do is find like a really, really good dinosaur skeleton. Everybody wants to do that. It's really hard. It takes like, it takes luck and time and just a lot of looking. Um, So I've gotten to help dig up lots of things, but I haven't been the one to like find the complete T-Rex or something like that. Yeah. but I'm very excited about lots of the research I've done. I, I'm really proud of the work I've done on understanding how ankylosaurs evolved their really cool tail club weapons. And so, like, how that evolved, um, how they used them, like, sort of looking at the biomechanics and, like, sort of engineering of, of dinosaur weapons. Um And in the last year, I had the totally cool experience of naming this beautiful dinosaur skeleton that's at the Royal Ontario Museum. We named it Zool Curvastator, which I know the second part (laughs) is a little bit hard to say, but it translates in Latin to like Zool, the destroyer of shins, because it has one of these amazing tail clubs. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And we named it after a Ghostbusters movie character. So Zool is kind of like the crazy dog monster that possesses Sigourney Weaver. Um, (laughs) And the response to that was just like bananas i mean it like people were so excited this fossil was beautiful people thought Aww. the name was fun and it really connected with a lot of people that's so and great now, now i'm actually part of the team that's developing an exhibit around this amazing dinosaur and so that's going to open later this year at the royal ontario museum and i just it's been a really interesting process so far to take all this research that we've done and try to translate it into this new interesting format um, I, that's what really so. impresses me, as I said about you, is how you, you have a real knack for making something that can be very intimidating 
to people that aren't familiar into something that is accessible and fun and well, makes it, it's very inclusive what you do. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very you. thankful. Well, it's easy when it's dinosaurs, I think, too, because everybody like everybody likes dinosaurs. So everybody um. likes dinosaurs, but to make them understandable, I think, is a gift. Well, thanks. Uh, do you meet a lot of, um, maybe because you're in Canada, you avoid this nonsense, but do you meet a lot of, like, creationist types? Um, I've been pretty lucky that I haven't had uh, any really, like, aggressive encounters with people who just don't like what I'm doing. Okay, um, that's good. So that's really nice. Um, but <laughs> it might also be that I just don't find myself in those situations that often. Um, there are definitely creationists in Canada, but it's not like I'm necessarily, like, seeking them out. Um <laughs> You know, and honestly, like people are going to believe what they believe. Um, that would drive me long, crazy, though. It doesn't... It's 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 a tricky. It's it's tough sometimes, right? Because you don't want to like you don't want to like judge or critique people's like spiritual beliefs, um, but it's also like scientifically wrong. <laughs> so it's no, right. but it, so it's really tough. But right. like just that that's not going to change anyone's hearts or minds. Um, and, and it, it, where it really is an issue is like when people reject evolution, that's rejecting things like that. The flu virus evolves. It it rejects a lot of like modern medicine. It rejects a lot of, um, understanding like the natural world around us and how things change. Um, so I'm not like personally offended, but it's, it, it isn't great because it, it contributes to a lot of skepticism and mistrust of science, I think. And so I think what like a lot of scientists need to do is really build trust. So not just sit there and be like, this is factually wrong. Like I just said a moment ago, but to like build (laughs) trust and like, like find like common ground to talk to people about. And I'm not sure I'm good at that, but I think it's important. And, um, And so it's really tricky. So I'm really lucky. I mean, I'm on Twitter every now and then people on Twitter find me and are like, will sort of challenge me on it. And I will point them towards resources. And because I like, I mean, I just want to take people at face value. Like if they, if they're actually asking a question and they want to learn something and I give them a resource and they go and learn something, then great. Usually that is not what happens. And people will just tell me I'm like some feminazi liberal like or something like feminist liberal. And I'm like, yes, but like, <laughs> like, like as though it's a bad thing. Right, right, and right. so I just know like, we're not going to have a productive conversation. So I usually just like peace out of those conversations. Like, I just like, yeah. uh, we're not going to change each other's minds. So yeah, goodbye. And I think that's all you can do sometimes. Like, What do you think amongst normal people, not necessarily like the creationist types, but just normal people, is there something that we always get wrong, like a big misconception type thing? Um, If I was going to be like cute about it, it would be that dinosaurs are extinct. Oh, um, that is cute. Because dinosaurs aren't extinct because we know now that all the birds around us today are just dinosaurs flying around us. So not just sort of technically, but just they are. So we can trace bird, like, 
ancient birds all the way back to meat-eating dinosaurs like Velociraptor all the way back to big meat-eaters and scaly guys like 250 million years ago. Um, wow. And we have tons of evidence for it, all kinds of amazing feathered dinosaurs that are not quite birds but have feathers and look a lot like birds. And then we don't even really know where to draw the line between dinosaurs and birds sometimes because it's blurry because their evolution doesn't be like – and yeah, now it's a yeah. bird. <laughs> right. <Ta-da. laughs> like that's, that's something we do. And so we've got so much information now. It's actually a little blurry, like where we should start right. calling things birds. Um, and so that's like maybe a misconception people have. But at the same time, when people are like, when the dinosaurs went extinct, it's like, we all know what that's talking about. <laughs> Like, yes, most of them did go extinct at that point. <laughs> like, Do you ever feel so, sad about that? Um, it's nice because it means we get to exist. I know. I <laughs> I My kid cried about it when I broke the news. And oh, no. I was like, you know what, though? It's kind of good news. It's a good oh, news, bad news. It's true. I think that, like, one thing that I can appreciate is that things are always changing. So nothing lasts forever. And yeah. all species come and go eventually. Um but of course, I would love to see a dinosaur. I mean, like, who wouldn't want to see a dinosaur today, right. now? Yeah, so. can you make that happen? <laughs> Work on that. Uh, I, not me, but Somebody, maybe, maybe someone eventually. <laughs> One last question we ask everybody. What do you keep in the trunk of your car, if you have oh. a car? Uh, I, we, I have a car that I don't really drive <laughs> because I live in Toronto and I don't like driving here. I don't blame um, you. what do we keep in the trunk of our car? It's really boring. It's like an ice scraper <laughs> and like a blanket Good. and like, Oh, my husband is like getting excited over here. What's in the trunk of our car, Pete? We have the club, the Edmonton Police Service. Oh, the Edmonton Police Service Club. What is that? When we lived in Edmonton, we got, like, a free, like, club (laughs) for your steering wheel. Oh, right, the club. It's not very paleontological. And the ice scrapers from the Ontario Library Association. Oh, anyway, so we have various, like, free (laughs) gift, like, car-related items. It's, like, the most boring thing ever. I'm sorry. That is not exciting. No, it's not. (laughs) It's meant to, like, signify where you are in your life. So it sounds like that does. Those are all very practical necessary yeah. things. My, uh, our car is very practical. Our house is full of various nonsensical items. Um, oh, that's and fun, books too. And, like, dinosaur toys. So I guess it's, like, serious business in the car and fun in the house. <laughs> it's yeah. like a mullet, but your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is great. And is there anything else you want people to know? Where can they follow you on Twitter, for example? Yeah, so I have a Twitter account that I'd love if people want to follow. Uh, it's really boring. It's just at Victoria Arbor because that's easy to remember. Yeah. Um, I have a website that has a really hard-to-spell URL, but maybe I can email it to you. And yeah, it can I'll be, put it, it in the newsletter. Well. Yeah. Um, but my, I have sort of like a website and a blog called pseudoclocephalus.com. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, you can learn more about my research and the research I'm doing with my colleagues. And I'd also like to mention the Royal Ontario Museum's website about Zool, the ankylosaur. Um, and so I can send you the link for that. And that has all kinds of information about our awesome dinosaur and the research we're doing on it and how you can contribute to various projects for it. That is so cool. And I'm just so glad you're a badass bitch that (laughs) is getting the work done. I love seeing women like you doing work in science. Well, 
we try. Yeah, so. <laughs> keep up the good work. We need you. <laughs> but thank you, and thank you for your patience and everything with scheduling, and you're a delight. Oh, well, thank you very much. Happy to have been here. Keep in touch, and I'll let you know when this is posted. Wonderful. Thanks. And yeah, like I said, if you find yourself in Toronto, just give me a shout. So. I will. Thanks, Victoria. <laughs> thank you. Have a good night, and bye, Pete. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. She says goodbye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>